Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 174. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who could beat Super Mario 2 in 14 minutes, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today. This is session 174 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And this is gonna prove to be a really interesting conversation and a conversation starter as well. I suspect that there's gonna be a lot of comments as well coming out of this episode. And I look forward to those conversations and those comments as well. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, we are bringing back a guest who was on 30 episodes ago in episode 144. This is Ryan Moran, who back then talked about building a million dollar business in 12 months. This was 30 episodes ago, and since then, that particular podcast session has been one of the most commented podcasts this year. Now, the reason for that is because, first of all, he just delivered a ton of great content, and the way he breaks down step-by-step how to do that, it's actually very, very good, and it's gotten me very interested and very close to kind of following those directions and experimenting with what he talked about, which is actually you know, building a business off of Amazon and using Amazon as a fulfillment program, You know, getting products manufactured, finding a niche, getting all that, get, getting into that realm. And I'm not gonna talk about that here today, but you can check that out at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 144. Now, the reason that was commented on, like I said, it was because he delivered content, but also because what he was teaching was a little bit controversial, not that it was illegal or anything, but a lot of people had a lot of questions to ask and things to say about it and different opinions about what he was doing. And Ryan came in and he answered, uh, I think, all the questions and talked about all the concerns that people had. And, and that was cool. And I suspect that this is gonna happen with this particular episode as well. And, you know, sometimes those quote controversial episodes, which this isn't really gonna be controversial, I would I would say, but you know, the ones that get talked about the most and have different sides and different different opinions from the audience are the ones that actually have helped out the most. I, I'm thinking back to episode 46 with Dane Maxwell. I also did an episode with Noah Kagan from AppSumo, which was you know pretty controversial, but also very valuable. And a lot of people got a lot of great content out of that and have said that those two were some of our best episodes uh, in our archives. Well, Ryan's was a good one in episode 144. And in this episode, we are gonna talk about something that we've never talked about before. And uh, it's gonna be really interesting because I know a lot of you have asked me about this and have wondered what I did with the money that I earn through my online businesses. So we're gonna be talking about how to take that money that you earn from your online businesses and invest it in other things to diversify yourself, to build wealth for the future, and to create different income streams over time, different other different passive income streams, actually. So we're gonna kind of use this episode, all of us together, as, as kind of a test to gauge what the conversation is like, if this is something you're interested in, if this is something you're gonna wanna hear more about in the future, if you're gonna wanna hear more detail about this as well. And I will say, before we get to the content in the interview here, you know, when Ryan shares his particular strategy for building wealth and, and, and investing his business income in, into other things as well, uh, th- this is Ryan's strategy. And I have my own strategy. You probably have your own. Hopefully, hopefully you're doing something. And I also will say that some of you might not be at this point yet in your business, and that's okay. 
You can use this as a motivator or something to strive for. And again, this, what we're talking about in this episode is Ryan's strategy, Ryan's way of investing money. And uh, it's gonna be different for everybody what they feel is the right way, to right thing to do. But again, this is just a conversation starter. In no way is Ryan a financial planner or an advisor. In no way am I saying that this is the right thing to do. I am not a financial advisor or planner as well. Please consult with your own financial advisors and professionals and tax professionals for the way that you handle your money. But again, this is just here to start a conversation. I know there's a lot of you in the audience who are experts in this. And I, and I would love to hear from you and actually everybody who has something to say about this. This is gonna be a great conversation that has ha, kind of comes off the back of this episode. So if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 174, you can just write that down or get ready for it. That's where you'll go to leave comments and, and we can have that conversation. Um, I have a certain way that I invest money, the, the money that I earn for my businesses. Of course, I wanted to make sure that my kids were taken care of first. Their college education funds are all set and taken care of. I also wanted to make sure that you know the house is good. But beyond that, I do a few things. For example, I invest in a few select stocks based off of stuff that's similar to what Ryan talks about in terms of dividend investing and things like that. I also invest in something and uh, have dipped uh, my toes into Wealthfront a little bit. I know a few entre entrepreneurs who are also using Wealthfront. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash Wealthfront, you can check that out and see what that is. It's sort of like a managed portfolio, very hands-off, very passive in the way that it's grown. And that has returned over 35% on my portfolio, which has been really cool. Now, I don't do real estate at this moment in time, but Ryan does, and I ask him a lot of questions from a, from a beginner's point of view in terms of how to get into that because I know that that's one of the best ways to build your portfolio and build wealth over time and, and for a long-term game, and uh, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to doing as well. So let me know what you think. I'm interested because I'm gonna gauge to see if this is something we can continue to talk about. I mean, I can imagine in a few years, maybe once I start getting into real estate, if I do, a particular a subheader of Smart Passive Income or a subsection that is about just the real estate part of it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Here's the episode with Ryan Moran. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. What's up, everybody? I'm so happy to reintroduce Ryan Moran today from Freedom Fast Lane. He was with us in episode 144 of the SPI podcast back in January, and a lot has happened since then, and you'll see why he's back on the show. But Ryan, welcome back to the SPI podcast. How have you been? Pat, I can't believe you actually brought me back. Thanks so much for bringing me back to Smart Passive Income. I'm doing great, a little sleep deprived, but and, I'm doing pretty good. And why is that? Well, there's this there's this new this new person in my house who just screams all the time and never says thank you and <laughs> and poops her pants. It's just I don't know who invited this person in, but about six weeks ago, a new person joined us in the house. Well, congratulations on the baby. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I love her to death, but right now she's basically a house plant that screams really loud. Um, you know. So <laughs> this, a, a, a lot of people who may have heard you in an episode 144 might remember how well your business was doing and, and how uh, good you were at making things happen. I mean, the title of that particular episode was Building a Million Dollar Business in 12 Months. And so how has life changed since six weeks ago when you had this baby? Are you still able to get work done? I know you said the sleep was kind of crazy, but how have you been? How have you managed, if you have, to uh, continue to work with with this new person in your life? Well, it was tough for about the first month, but the thing that helped the most was just the fact that I have an an office that's outside the house, a couple of miles away from the house. And Pamela and I discovered, you know, we we just we don't do well when I try and work in the house and the baby is screaming because I get frustrated, she gets frustrated. Mm -hmm. So separating that at uh, we did that at about the month the month in point. I was pretty much on paternity leave for the, the first couple of weeks, but having that separation was immensely helpful and it allows me to just focus on work, get more done. Plus, you know, I, I want to get home now. So I kind of have a deadline mm -hmm. every day of, of getting everything done. So it was definitely an adjustment, but having that separation was a huge help. That's good. That's great. That's great advice. And it's interesting because John Lee Dumas, who a lot of us know, who has Entrepreneur on Fire, he has a lot of guests who he interviews. And a lot of them talk about this thing that he ended up calling the baby effect, that when you have a baby as an entrepreneur, just somehow... As, although it makes your life harder because it's hard to adjust and adapt to, to, to the new situations and your schedule is kind of based off of the baby schedule now, a lot of entrepreneurs who have babies end up being incredibly productive after that and mm -hmm. being in, 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 you know, sometimes 5Xing, 10Xing their business from there. So it's kind of cool to see you even already mentioned that a little bit, how you kind of just, you, you want to get home now, but how has the baby also inspired you in, in ways to kind of take your business to the next level? 
Well, I had that. I had my baby effect when I found out I was going to have a baby. Ah, okay. So, and and I guess I'm I'm still playing in the minor leagues. I only three xed my business when when I found out that 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 we were going to have a baby, and that happened really really quickly. And so when the 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 baby arrived, there there definitely was an initial inspiration of wow, I'm holding this baby now. I want to go conquer the world, and that was pretty cool. But I had the biggest impact right when I found out because that was. Well, it was, it was quite the surprise. Pat. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> so changed that's for you? when like, I really leveled up. How did you level up when you found out? I mean, you were at the point of, uh, your, your wife was pregnant the last time you were on the show, I believe, but what, mm-hmm. what in particular, if one or two things you could ben- mention kind of really changed for you the moment you found out you had a baby, you know, there was just this sense of focus on what's working. And all of a sudden, all the ideas and experiments that you want to run becomes just completely non-important. Mm-hmm. So all, all of these things that I want to test, it's, I don't have time to, to, to go in a new direction. I got this thing that's working and there's a baby coming, whether I like it or not, or whether I, no matter what. <laughs> so I'm just going to put all my eggs into the, the basket that's working. And that amount of focus of just cutting everything out, I guess that's true no matter what you're talking about in life. You right. just completely commit to something and it becomes really easy to three, five, 10 X, whatever that is, whether it's health or relationships or a business. And when I did that, there was definitely a leveling up that happened in business. Right. That, that's what they talk about in the, in the book, the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan, yeah. you know, they mentioned how, you know, we have a lot of different directions we could go, but when, when you find out what that first domino is, it's going to help you move forward. And that, that highest priority thing, that thing that most people are probably already working on, they just need to keep going with it. Uh, it, it can really start this really cool domino effect where you can then really level up your business uh, in ways where you couldn't if you were not focused, like you said. So thank you again for sharing all that. And again, congratulations to you Thanks, and Pamela. Pat. And, and I I'm, I'm, can't wait to see how this little person grows up with you because uh, you've got some amazing things going on. You are very inspirational. The show that you did with us in episode 144 was highly commented on. A lot of people asking more questions about it, but I, I, I checked the comments right before we got on. And a lot of people were saying, like this was an amazing episode. A lot of people have taken action on what you've done and have created their own businesses as well. Just as a reminder for those of you who haven't listened to that yet, uh, Ryan was talking about building a business off of Amazon, meaning getting products manufactured, finding a niche that needs a that 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 Ryan felt like he could add more to, and then selling product on Amazon and and using Amazon as a fulfillment uh, engine. And uh, he's done that a few times in different niches. I think how many businesses do you have now that are running in that that way? Well, I had three, but I sold one. That's right. So I think that has happened since we since we last chatted. Is I sold the the yoga products business, and I'm I'm still kind of involved in that as as an advisor. Mm-hmm. But I I sold that to an outside firm. That's super cool. So we're down to two now. And then the last time we chatted and we finished recording, you know, I I had just got a great vibe uh, from talking to you, and also you had mentioned, man, Pat, I love talking to you. I would love to at some point talk about, you know other ways of generating passive income, other ways of investing your money and, and, and these things that I don't, I actually haven't even ever talked about on the show. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring you back on today because you were so excited about talking about other ways we can invest our yeah. money. And I, and I know that, you know, a lot of people in the audience might not be at the point yet where they have their passive income businesses and engines running for them where they could, you know, figure out what to do with that extra income. A lot of people are still, you know, they don't have that extra income yet. But even even then, I think it's important to talk about this to see what one could possibly do in the future, or at least get people thinking about it. I know it's also gonna be very motivating for people as well who aren't there yet and can't invest and do these other things. What could they do in the future? But also I wanna make sure that when we talk about this stuff, uh, that that this is, you know, when you talk about how you do it and, and, and why you, you think those are the great ways to do it, you know, that this isn't like a, this is how you should do it. This is just Ryan's take on it. I have my own take. Everybody yeah. has their own kind of opinions and situations. So, you know, that kind of disclaimer or disclosures out there for you, just this isn't professional kind of uh, financial advice, but I think it, I'm it, not it, an investment <laughs> an advisor. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So it's so, so just my opinion. Just want to get that out of the way. But but tell me why, why were you so or why is this topic so interesting to you and, and gets you so excited? Well, Pat, to be honest with you, I just think entrepreneurs are so bad at this. They're so bad at being smart with their money as far as where it's going to go once they have it. We talk a lot in our little community about how to make a lot of money. 
and all the different ways that we can generate new money. But I know so many entrepreneurs that have made a ton of money and then lost it because they didn't have a good plan for how they were going to grow it. Mm -hmm. And you and I both talk a lot about passive income. And I have a little bit of a different opinion about what passive income is because I don't, I personally don't think that a business is passive income because I had to go build it. To me, passive income is when you take that money and you let that money then go to work for you to make more money. And this is something we're so bad at as a community that I, I almost feel a sense of purpose behind teaching entrepreneurs what to do or, or at least how I came out of the, the woods on this because I had to go create my own investment path. Most investment advice or passive income advice is made for people 50 years ago or people in, in a traditional job setting. And there's very little advice out there for reducing taxes and investing your, your new cash wisely in a way that builds wealth, but also gives you more passive income. And that's what we're all about. Yeah, I, I think this is really cool. And, and, and as you can see, this is a different topic, something we've never really talked about before, but obviously very, very important. And I've noticed, I mean, even when we when we think about celebrities who have made it, you know, and then they end up going broke. I mean, it's like, mm. we all wonder, well, how did you do that? Like how crazy, but then we look at other people in the entrepreneurial world and, and they're not being very smart with, with their income as well. And you know, there's right. different definitions of smart and different definitions of investing. And I think at least if anything, if, even if you don't agree with the advice that we're gonna hear and kind of Ryan's method for investing in, 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 into the future and building passive income and wealth, at least this starts the conversation. It becomes a part where on the blog, when this gets posted, people who are listening to this on the podcast, at least it gets us thinking about it. And that's where really this all starts. The way to get out of something is to at least acknowledge that there's a problem and then figure out how to go from there based on our own situations. Now, Pat, remind me, if I don't hit this in the the meat of this, remind me to come back and talk about how I got a Tesla for free. Because in, in, in I actually did this with investing, set it up so that an investment gave me passive cash flow to go buy a Tesla. So that's my little teaser as we go into the meat of this. Sound cool. good? I like that because I'm interested in Tesla. I am very much <laughs> in love with Elon Musk and what he does, uh, you know, SpaceX, Solar City, and also Tesla, of course. And I'm looking forward to the Tesla X, which is coming out next year. I don't know if you've seen that, Ryan, but it might be worth oh, yeah. looking at now that you're building a family. And uh, it's going to look sweet. Plus, it has gold wings like the DeLorean. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, Anyway, we'll have to go race our Teslas. So <laughs> yeah, get your right. Tesla X. I don't yeah. think I'm going to buy it next year. It's just one of those things that when our, you know, 2004 CRV craps out, that's <laughs> one of the top uh, potential cars. I know a lot of people know that I want an Audi RX, but, you know, it's not smart and practical for me to get that right now. But that's still still down the road. But OK, let's let's get into this. So first of all, let me let me ask you a question here. And I had mentioned before we get we, we started recording that, you know, I'm going to be tough on you. I'm going to try and poke holes in, in what you're saying. And I'm, I'm also going to ask very honest questions that I feel my audience would want to know as well. And the first cool. question I want to ask you, Ryan, is, well, what, what, why do you feel like you're qualified to talk about this? <laughs> I laugh because, I mean, the only way to answer this question is because I just had to go figure it out for myself mm -hmm. because I felt like the advice out there for most entrepreneurs was just so stuck 50 years ago. So I'm fully honest about the fact that this is just the path that worked for me but it was, you know, reading investment books since I was in my teens, I just got really frustrated with all the traditional paths out there. So I went out and created one that worked for me as an entrepreneur that was very different from what everybody else was doing, but still gave me the structure and the plan moving forward that I felt would build wealth and passive income. And when I've shared it with other people, they found it extremely useful too. Okay. So you are building wealth through these things. Now, what is what, what is what most people do? Can we define what that is? Like what is traditional, what people do with their money that's not working and why you wanted to go a different path? Your traditional path would be, I mean, if you've got a 401k or an IRA, that's ahead of most people. In my opinion, it's one of the worst foundations of an investment plan that you can have unless it's for tax reduction. But for overall growth, it's just, it's, it's the way that most people do it. But even if you're getting six, 7% per year on that, it just fails in comparison to what you could be doing or how much you could be 
putting your, your, your money to work. You know, we, we talked once privately about how the traditional route of just putting your money into the stock market or even the way that most people do it in real estate on the, the surface level just doesn't get you all that exciting. Whereas you could start an internet business and take a few thousand dollars and turn it into many, many, many thousands of dollars, putting it into traditional investments where it's just parked away and you check it once a month doesn't hold the same allure or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the same returns. So there's other ways that you can restructure investments as an entrepreneur to where it's a lot more exciting. Yeah, I think that's that's a big key because it is kind of boring to see, you know, those statements come in every month in our traditional investment plans and just, you, you know, you see the extra dollars in there and then that's it. And it's not really that exciting. But also I know that sometimes when people get too excited, for example, when they go into the stock market and they're investing daily, you know, they can get into big trouble. So, you know, I'm interested in, you know, I'd love for you to start introducing kind of what it is that you feel is the best path or at least the path that worked for you at this point. Great. So I break it into three phases and they're, they're sequential in my opinion. Okay. And I want, I want to give one asterisk, if you will, one, one important note. And I'm assuming that when you go through this process that you have no, extraordinary debts. So if you're in debt, I would never recommend going the best investment you can make is paying off your debts, right, right. meaning credit card debt, college debt, really expensive debt. So I would never recommend putting your money into any investment. If you're in debt, you should pay that off first. But moving forward from there, the first stage is kind of an obvious one. The first phase is starting a business. Having a business is the best investment you can make from a cash flow perspective. And if you listen to smart passive income, then you've been given dozens and dozens of business ideas of which you can make money in a way that is disconnected from your time. And that's the important piece. Mm -hmm. Another another qualifier I like to say is a an income stream that you can directly impact. Meaning if you do do that one thing that moves that next domino that it impacts the profitability of your business. So I scratch out client work or anything that trades our, our hours for dollars in here and say starting a business where you can impact the revenue and the profits is that first phase. Now, from an investment perspective, just cash in to cash out, that's not only the best return, but it's the best tax write-off because here is where you can write off just about anything and call it a business expense. And the way somebody positioned to me once is the government is going to pay for half of that. Because if you were to keep that money or earn it personally, you're going to end up giving half of it to the government. Whereas if it's done in a business and that expenditure goes out through the business, you're going to save half of your money because it would have gone to the government anyway. So most people who are who are entrepreneurs, when they just structure their business right by having it in a corporation or an LLC and running the finances through there, that's a huge advantage that people who are not entrepreneurs don't have. Mm -hmm. And that changes the direction of everything else. So the first phase is having a business, running as many expenses through there, legitimate expenses through there as possible, because A, it's going to give you the best cash flow. And B, it enables you to write off more than you could if you were running everything through through just your personal name. Right, right. But that's not to say you can't write off everything, but you have the opportunity to take advantage of these things that businesses have the ability to take advantage of. And right. uh, I, th I think that's the important thing. And I've, I've noticed that too. And, you know, you obviously want to make sure you connect with professional in terms of, you know, all, all your taxes and stuff. But I think it's really good. And I think a lot of us are there. We are in the phase of or have already started building our businesses. So it's good to see that that's a great first phase because we're all of us listening to this right now. We're in that. And I, I and I agree with you. It's it's amazing for cash flow, obviously, even if you're just starting out and you're maybe you're making an extra, I would say, five hundred dollars a month, you know. Uh, that's a lot when you when you consider what it might take to get $500 a month with other forms of investments, for example, uh, real estate and how much mm -hmm. initial income you would need to get $500 a, a month or stock markets where it's very volatile. It, it's going to be danger, more dangerous to do that. And you have a lot more control in your own business. And if you use the strategies we mentioned here, and there's obviously a ton of other podcasts and great businesses to learn from as well, uh, you, you can really start off in a great way uh, in building wealth by starting a business. I've had 
personal conversations with other investors and people who are experts in, in the financial space. And they, they all agree building business is one of the best things you could do. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, we want to take our profits and we want to do two things with it. We want to build long-term wealth and we want to build extra cash flow while also sheltering as many taxes as possible. So this comes up a lot of you know, when you, your business starts to make money, how do you structure it and how do you pass it along to yourself with, with, with the ability to increase that cash flow as much as possible and shelter as many taxes as possible? So this moves us into stage two. And in stage two, once our business is profitable, we put ourselves on payroll or pay ourselves the same amount every single month mm -hmm. without changing that very slowly. And we'll talk about that in, in a second. I do that actually. Okay, good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people at this point will say, okay, I'm making cash in my business and I just want to take that cash out as much as possible. And that's when we can run into some trouble. So the fix for this, if you will, is to get into the habit of receiving the same amount every month. So in stage two, we pay ourselves a salary mm -hmm. and we take 10% or as much as you're comfortable with, more or less, a, a fixed amount every month to automatically go into an investment that both builds passive income and builds wealth. And what I recommend here is ever-increasing dividend-paying stock. And that was a mouthful, so I'll explain what that looks like. There are about 100 to 200 stocks that are publicly traded that have increased their dividend every year for at least 10 years. So during all the ups and all of the downs, there are a few hundred companies that have increased the dividend that they paid every year, no matter what was going on. So they've increased the amount that shareholders are getting in the form of cash flow. So even if a stock is going down, they increase their dividend as a way to keep investors happy. And Coca-Cola is one of these. Chevron is one of these. There's, there's hundreds of them out there, and a, a, a Google search will pull back more than you'll know what to do with. And I just like to find companies that have increased their dividend for at least 10 years. So they've gone through some downtimes and still increased their dividend. And then I take 10% or more of that monthly fixed amount that we're paying ourselves out of our business and put them into that ever-increasing dividend. Now, my, my mentor, his name is Travis, he, he put it to me this way. He said, it's like you're buying geese that lay golden eggs. If the price of the goose falls, well, great. That means that golden eggs are on sale. So we want to buy as many of those as possible. So we're doing it for the long-term dividend, not in hopes that the price of the stock will go up. Now, I've experimented with the stock market in many different ways, and maybe I'm just unlucky, unlucky or stupid, but when I try to buy a stock in hopes that it goes up, usually the opposite happens. And I think we've all had that nightmare idea of what happens if I buy a stock and then the next day it goes down 20%. Right. Well, if you're buying for the dividend, if you're buying for the cash flow, then it doesn't matter if it goes up or down, assuming that that company has a strong record of increasing their dividends. So, for example, a, a great one that I like to talk about is Target. Target is one of those companies that has increased their dividend every year for a long time, many years. And about a year and a half ago, you might remember, Pat, there was this big thing in the news where the there was a, a visa leak credit leak. card yeah yeah and all these credit cards got leaked and the target stock plunged it fell about 30 percent and i saw this happen and i threw a little party because target has a really strong dividend they increase it about 20 percent every year so i bought a bunch of target stock because I knew that dividend was only going to go up. And I was like, dividends are on sale. So I threw a Target buying party, if you will, bought a bunch of Target. And not only did that stock recover once the news faded, but the dividend continues to go up. So the cash flow goes up. Mm. So if you, if you buy a stock and it's producing a 4% dividend, yeah, I mean, who cares? It's 4% on your money. You might, it's better than putting it under the mattress, right? But in... A year, if that goes up 20%, that means now it's, 
about 4.8% or 5%. And then if that trend continues, then it's at 6%, 7.5%, 9%. And as that compounds over many years, hopefully this is something you're going to hold on to for a long time, all of a sudden the returns get really, really attractive. And that's assuming that the stock price never goes up, which it may or may not, but I don't care that's about that as much as I care about the long-term dividend, right? Right. Okay. So you're pulling out money from your salary, your your consistent salary every month and putting it into these investments. And so no matter what the stock price is, you're, you're buying, right? So you're kind of dollar cost right. averaging over time. And you are building wealth through the dividends that are being paid off. Now, are you taking those dividends and putting them in your pocket or are you putting them back into reinvesting into that particular uh, company? A great question. So I just set it in my E-Trade account to buy more stock. So I never see that cash. It just goes in and it it automatically buys more stock. So I'm reinvesting it into the same stock. Now, there's one, one more thing I want to mention, and it's that, and forgive me if I'm getting too technical on you here, but I set a trigger, which means I look for a specific dividend before I buy one of these stocks, and that's 4%. So if a stock dips and it goes if it falls in price and therefore the dividend yield is 4% or better, that's my indicator that it's something that I want to go into. Anything less than that, I just tend not to get excited about. So a really recent example is Chevron. We've all heard that oil prices are dropping. We all celebrate because we pay less at the gas pump. And because Chevron is one of those companies that raises its dividend all the time, there was a great meeting point where the price of Chevron fell, the dividend went up, and now it's over 4%. Now, the, the, the price of that stock is probably going to recover and go back up. So I invested in Chevron while the dividend was high and the price was low in order to maximize my cash flow and the potential return that I get. So I don't buy any dividends if they're less than 4%. If they go over 4%, that's my target to buy. Okay. So I think a lot of this might be a little bit over... Yes, yeah, a lot of people's heads. And that's okay. No, that's, that's okay. And you don't have to understand this. I think the important thing is that you're taking something and automatically investing. I think that's the first important lesson because when you're doing that, and this is something I've learned ever since I started focusing on, on money, even before I got laid off, uh, you, you, you don't even know what's happening. It's kind of happening in the background. When it happens automatically and you pay yourself first in this way, uh, in, in terms of putting your money and putting it somewhere, uh, and, and I like the way you're doing this because it's kind of maximizing the growth over time. But when I started learning about all this stuff, it was, you know, take take 500 bucks a month or something out of your paycheck and just putting in, put in a savings account. That's like the most basic thing, of course, you know, but then the right. idea knowing that like two years from now, you kind of forget about that because it automatically happens and you go in there and you're like, oh my gosh, I have all this extra income that I didn't even know. And that's kind of one of the cool things that can happen. I think when you combine that with these wealth building uh, practices, it can do a lot for you. But my question is, what is the end game? Like, do you pull out from these accounts every once in a while when you want to buy something or are they there for long-term? Are they meant for retirement? Like, what is your goal with these? My goal for that is to hold them until they mature to the point where the dividends are now a substantial piece of cash flow. Now that's going to take about a decade and a half, maybe two decades but I don't care because in this piece of the strategy, that's that's like my will never go away cash for, you know, if when 30 years from now, that cash flow is still going to be there. Like it's give us an idea of what somebody could if they did this correctly, everything worked out, obviously. And then, you know, X, well, the, X years from now, this is kind of just like a, a, a it's almost like a paycheck that just comes your way without because you've already put in the work up front, right? Right. So it obviously depends on what happens to the, the stock price. And this is where it can get kind of weird and confusing because if you run the numbers, if the stock stays flat or goes down in face value, your cash flow actually can go up. Now, that sounds weird, but if you set it so that the dividend is going to buy more stock, then as the price of the stock falls and you're capturing more of that, while the dividend is going up, that means that when you say, okay, I'm going to live on this cash flow now, it's actually more cash flow. Now, if it's going up slowly over time, which stocks historically tend to do, then the cash flow is a little less, but your wealth, the value of that portfolio is going up. But I think the only reason you should ever buy an investment is for the cash flow. So I never buy it hoping that it's going to go up in value. But if we were assuming that it were to just stay flat, which it probably won't, then over several decades, 
your the cash flow on your new money can't I think it I think I ran the numbers once and it was like at 30 years, the amount that you put in equals the amount of yearly cash flow you're gonna end up getting. And wow. basically that so- means if you were to take $50,000 and put that up up front in 30 years, you're now getting 50 grand a year coming in in that cash flow. Plus you have the underlying wealth. And I know somebody is going to run the numbers on me and say it was 28 or it was 32 years. Or, and I'm sorry, it's not, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along that realm. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I think already we've talked about a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of, I, I know I have a lot of financial bloggers who listen. I know a lot of people who are big time investors who listen to this as well. They're going to have something to say. And again, like I said earlier, this isn't a, this is what you should do. This is what Ryan does. Yeah. And I wanted to use this as a way to kind of start this conversation. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting. And so I'm really, you know, I, I'm encouraging everybody out there who's listening, who feels like they know other things or may, might have their own strategies, share those too. I think the more we share with each other, the better it is for, for everybody. We might learn a thing or two from people who commented as well. So uh, let, let's, let's keep moving. So stage two, long-term wealth. I mean, a quick question that comes to mind is, you know, hopefully everybody has one of these in place already, but in terms of an emergency fund, is that, is that, if that's not there yet, should that be kind of in between these two steps, stage one and stage two? Yeah, I would definitely recommend that. So I keep about six months to a year's expenses in the bank just in case anything happens. And that makes me feel secure enough to both make investments without there being fear attached to it and also take some calculated risks. So okay. absolutely, I don't kind of bake that into my investment strategy, but in the same way that I wouldn't recommend investing with debt, I probably wouldn't recommend investing without a, a solid emergency fund either. And then is that for you in a savings account? So it's liquid or is it in some type of investment that's yeah. a, little, a little easier to take out of? Or? Yeah, I just, I just keep it in, in the bank so I can get it really quickly. Okay, cool. Okay, right, let's, so let, let's transition out of this because honestly, this is the boring part. So this is like the, the fundamental, if you were to just have a business and put a piece of your salary into ever-growing dividend-paying stock, you would be doing better than most people, better than like 90% of America. But the fact of the matter is, that was all really, really boring and technical. So where I start to get excited is in stage three, and that is where we take the profits of our business at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year, and we put it into what I call high-yield, low-risk investments. And that sounds impossible and hypey. Forgive me, I get really excited about it. It it really does, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So there are a bunch of non-conventional, I guess this might be the right word, some conventional, some little-known investments where I personally, I won't say everyone should. These are all legal, right? Oh, well, Pat, I was going to open up my bag of tricks and tell you all the illegal (laughs) investments that I make. (laughs) So stage three for me is high yield, low risk investments. And this includes one traditional investment that we're mostly familiar with, which is real estate. And I own a large, a large collection of single family homes. And when you run the numbers on single family homes, the returns can be 30, 40, 50% when you factor everything in. And that sounds hypey, so let me break it down a bit. Please. When you when you factor in, what most people do is they'll they'll buy they'll buy a house and they'll take a mortgage out, they'll rent it out in hopes of it either appreciating in value or getting the rent extra. Right. But right. that's that that's like the first piece of the investment that is like the least impactful. That that doesn't make the most to your bottom line. What makes the most to your bottom line is how much tax you save by having holdings in real estate. The government incentivizes holdings of real estate. So when you've got a mortgage on a property, you don't pay the tax on the interest of that property. And when it goes up in value, you pay a capital gains on the appreciation. You don't pay normal income tax. Mm -hmm. And you also get to write off, I think it's 3% of the value of of the house every year in depreciation. So if that house is worth $100,000, you get to write off $3,000 in taxes, plus whatever you paid in interest, plus the rental income, plus the appreciation. And with all of those savings factoring in, it becomes very, very impactful to your overall investment return. So that's my preferred 
place to put my profits at the end of the quarter or the end of the year is into single family real estate or in some cases, multifamily real estate. So you're buying houses. Are you paying for them in full out of your own pocket and not getting a mortgage or are you leveraging using a mortgage? I've done both, but the numbers make more sense if you leverage it mm-hmm, and you and and you have a mortgage on it, but you have somebody in there renting and paying down the mortgage. The other the other piece of the return on this is that since inflation naturally happens because of monetary policy, I know I'm getting technical on you, but because of that, the value of money is going down, which means that the amount that you're paying for the mortgage in real terms is going down. So you get to lock in an asset, a profitable asset at today's monetary value, but that's going to go down over time. So 10 years from now, if you've got a mortgage on a property, that mortgage in real dollars is going to be substantially cheaper than what it will be if you were to buy a house 10 years from now. Right. So, so it's, it's. So the sooner, the better. (laughs) The sooner, the better. Yeah. I heard it said once. The best time to invest in real estate was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the best time is today for all of these reasons that kind of compound together. Now, if you don't want to invest in real estate or you're not in a good area that that it would be financially wise for you to invest in real estate, there is a workaround for this. And people have different opinions on this strategy. But there are two workarounds. One is there are publicly traded real estate investment companies. They're called real estate investment trusts. And I own a lot of these. Full disclosure, I do buy a lot of these. REITs, as they're also known as. Yes. And REITs, because of the way that they're taxed, they have to pay out 80% of their profits as dividends. So the dividend yield is really high. And when I say really high, I mean 9%, 10%, sometimes as high as 15%. Now, people will talk about the paper values of these stocks because they tend to go up and down. But again, I'm not buying them for the paper value. I'm buying them for the income. So assuming I'm going to hold that for a long time, just like I'm going to hold a house for a long time. I don't care what happens to the face value of the stock. I care about getting that consistent dividend. Right. The second workaround is there are there's a plethora of real estate investors and other investment firms that will take your investment, invest it in real estate and pay you back a fixed return. Now, I obviously haven't worked with every real estate company out there. But this, this is something I've done multiple times where I've I've funded a real estate transaction and I've gotten a 15% fixed return paid to me. And I don't really feel comfortable making recommendations on those types of companies, but they exist where almost like a bank, they'll hold it and pay you a fixed return. And then they'll turn around and they'll invest it into real estate. So they'll make more than 15% but you don't have to do any of the deal finding or the tenant finding or any of the work. You just get a fixed percentage. And that's just cash flow. You don't get any of the write-offs that you would get if you were owning real estate, but you're getting some of the upside as far as cash flow goes. So those are the two workarounds to real estate if you don't want to own it yourself. Okay, interesting. Now, what are some of the, well, first question is if you are, if they're paying off nine or 10% dividends, I mean, is that, are, are they doing that over a long period of time and qualify you to do that in, com- in combination with stage two that you talked about? Or is that, this is completely separate? So I consider it different simply because there are only a few real estate investment trusts that have that ever increasing trend. Okay. So not all, not all of them have that increasing trend. It's just, it's fixed based on what the, the, the price point of the stock is. So I keep, I keep them separate. How active are you with managing these types of passive income streams? Well, apart from the once a month withdrawal that happens automatically into those those dividend paying stock, you know, I'm not I'm not doing this very often unless it's the end of a quarter or the end of the year and mm-hmm. I don't have a house to buy so I put it into a real estate investment trust. Apart from that, you know, I'm 
I, I check it once in a while, but I'm not, I'm not worried about the fluctuations in the market. Yeah, I was just randomly thinking somebody a long time ago had mentioned, you know, Pat, building a business isn't the only way to build passive income. You can talk about stock market, you can talk about real estate, and then here you are coming back on years later and, you know, talking about these things. So I think it's pretty, pretty interesting. And, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, passive income isn't just with building businesses, although, like we mentioned earlier, it's one of the best ways to do it. But, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, I could see a, a link at the top of SPI with, uh, you know, real estate you know, stuff related to, it. I don't know. Good. Anyway, just randomly thinking about that. Okay. Th- th- that's cool. Now in terms of getting into real estate, I know that's uh, obviously something a lot of people do. A lot of you who are listening to this are involved with real estate investments and have multiple properties as well. And, you know, have uh, different property managers and that whole thing. I mean, we can't even start to begin to discuss real estate and all that's involved with that. But what are, if people are interested in that phase, uh, what, what are some of the big things people have to look out for or how do they get started with that? I think that's that's one another big thing for people who are like, okay, well, I've heard that's a good idea, but how do I even get yeah. started with that? Should I get my license as a real estate agent to? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So for me, it, I'm I'm a big idea person. If you ask me to manage any details, I will drop the ball. I'm just, I'm terrible at details. So figuring out all the nuances of real estate, even for a nerd like me was was really difficult. So I had said, okay, I got to automate this process as much as possible so that even if I give up a point or two or I expose myself to a little bit of risk, I, I'm at least doing what I know is a good idea in a way that maintains my sanity. Mm-hmm. So I have an agent who sends me deals in the areas that I like to work in. And by the way, the best areas to work in, the best areas to invest in are the places outside your city that aren't having these crazy fluctuations in value, they're, but they're better for cash flow. So usually outside the major cities and some of the suburbs are the best places for cash flow to invest. So I have a, a realtor, an agent there who will send me deals and say, hey, this seems to meet your criteria. Give this a looky. And I'll give it a looky. And if I like it, then I say, go look at it. And my agent knows me well enough to actually go to the property pulls out his cell phone, does a walkthrough of the property. So I never go there. He just shows it to me. I get it in my email and I say, okay, this looks good. And then I ping it over to my property manager who knows what the rental market is like there and say, give me an estimate on what this is going to cost to fix up. So Mm -hmm. he'll either meet the agent at the property or look at the video and give me a visual estimate of what it will cost to fix up or what it will rent for. And then I say, okay, you two coordinate and go make it happen. So I've bought houses without ever seeing them in person or swinging a hammer or taking a call from a tenant, nothing. I just go to the agent. I, he knows what to look for for me. He goes and he buys them, sends them over to the property manager. Property manager knows what I want and rents. He tells me if I'm going to get it or not. And then I let them take care of the rest. And I get a few emails about things I need to sign and money I need to transfer over. Yeah. That is literally the process. That's how I automate it. So I'm completely out of the process. That's that's super cool. I think that's very encouraging because a lot of people while listening to this episode were probably like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to understand this. Yeah. And the point is you don't have to understand all of it. Um, and there are people out there who, like you said, can help you through this process. People who manage certain parts of it that you, you don't even need to touch yourself. So thank you for sharing all that. You had mentioned earlier that you had gotten a Tesla for free. And <laughs> I'm curious on how you were able to do that. It does sound very hypey and scammy, honestly, but <laughs> can you enlighten us on that? Yeah, sure. So I should, I should finish this thought by saying that real estate's not the only place to get high yield, low risk. There's other places that people don't talk about it. Like I think you and I have talked about lendingclub.com. Mm-hmm. I love lendingclub.com. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by this. I have a little bit in there too. Model. It's it's basically a place where you can buy private notes at at certain interest rates depending on your risk level. So if you're a little bit more conservative, you can you can buy a note that's fixed at like eight or ten percent. And then if you're a little bit comfortable with risk, then it can go up to twenty, twenty-five percent, which is just redonkulous. Like those numbers are just they're, they're absurd in, in the investment world. Mm-hmm. So there, there are other little known places that I will put my profits at the end of the quarter, the end of the year. So when I went to buy a Tesla, 
I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, Pat, where you earn money in your business and you have a toy that you want to buy, but you're like, well, you know what? I worked really hard for this money. I don't want to put this into a toy because I worked really hard for this and it feels weird just buying a toy with it. Have you ever had an experience like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took a, a page out of, out of Rich Dad, Poor Dad which argues that the best way to get rich is to acquire cash producing assets. And that when the rich go to buy things, they don't buy the asset outright with cash. They use an investment, an asset to pay pay for for that toy. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I went to buy a Tesla, I went and I got it almost free. I had to put a down payment of 2,500 bucks on it in order to reserve it. But apart from that, I went out and financed the whole thing. And a Tesla traditionally is going to cost about $100,000. And right. I earned that in my business. But rather than go and just buy a Tesla, I went out and said, okay, what's it going to cost on monthly payments in order to, to get this, this, this toy? And it was going to be about $1,400 a month or so, which is you know a house payment, basically. Right. <laughs> so I went out and instead of just getting a Tesla, I put it into an investment and I put together a basket of investments that is nicely, evenly weighed for both risk and return. So there's some dividend paying stock on there. There's some real estate investment trust and there's some lending club. That's the the basket of investments. Mm -hmm. And together they pay for the Tesla payment. But here's the, the other cool kicker to it. I bought the Tesla in my business name because a business, a solopreneur, uh, solopreneurship, however you have that defined, can have one company vehicle. So all of those payments are actually half because the government's paying for the other half because I'm not paying tax on it. It's a tax write-off. Plus, I have the investments that are paying for all the payments. So because of the way I structured it, I'm actually making monthly cash flow on on the total difference between the payment for the Tesla and the payment coming in from, from your investments, the investments yeah. and it's a write-off. That's pretty so that, awesome. That's how you can, <laughs> that's how you can get all of your toys almost free. Now caveat here, you have to earn the money in the first place. When you earn the money, rather than just putting it into toys, buy assets that will pay for the toy. Plus once the toy is paid off, the assets are still there mm-hmm. and they've either appreciated in value or they continue to give you cash flow. And to me, that's just a way smarter way about buying the toys that you want rather than just that money going down the drain. Keep it. Let the asset pay for the toy. And then you have the asset at the end of the day and you have the toy. You get to keep both. Yeah. So when we distill it, it's not so hypey and scammy, I hope. No, it's not. And I think it's very uh it's very encouraging and, and very inspirational, I think, for people out there, for those of us who don't have quite the income yet to be able to support an investment like that and to be able to create these buckets that would pay for our toys. Uh, it's definitely something to, to shoot for. And I think, you know, it's definitely a smart way to think about how to use money for you in the in the future. So so that's really cool. Um, th- this has been a really cool conversation, Ryan. Thank you again for, sh- for sharing all of this. I think it's going to definitely ignite the comment section on the blog and, you know, it could go either way and we'll see. I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> to see where it goes. I'm researching and always researching this kind of stuff because I have significant income coming in and, and I'm testing and experimenting with various places too. I'm learning from as many people as I can. You're not the only person I've spoken to about this kind of stuff. And it's interesting how different people's takes are on it. You know, it's like it, it varies so much. and so. And, and a lot of people are very successful in their own way too. So there's no right or, well, maybe there is a right or wrong answer or there's at least wrong, wrong ways to do it, but there are multiple right ways to do it as well. And so it's really cool for you to share that. And thank you, thank you for being open uh, and honest with us. And I'd love to, again, hear from everybody out there who's listening to, who are in, who's interested in this, maybe who have questions. I know Ryan's come in in the comment section of the previous post as well and has uh, lent his um, knowledge in there as well. Um, the other thing I wanna mention before I let you go here is that uh, you gave me the honor of speaking at an event that you are putting on later this year. I'd love for you to just talk for a minute about what that is, who who's going to be there, what it's about and who it's for. Heck yeah. Well, well thanks for letting me plug that, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're doing an event at the end of the year called Freedom Fast Lane Live. My podcast is called Freedom Fast Lane and it's about entrepreneurship and in, and investing and growing your business. 
And I've found, Pat, that I, I just have a hard time in our little community thinking at the level that I've got to think because my lifelong goal is to own the Cleveland Indians. I know the Indians haven't won anything since the 1940s, but they have my heart forever on that. <laughs> kind of like and Gary Vee and the Jets, right? Exa- exactly. And that's exactly why Gary Vee was the first person that I wanted to have at Freedom Fast Lane Live because we have such a hard time in our little industry, thinking beyond kind of the, the, the level that we've all been stuck at. And, and I wanted to bring in people that would just completely break that paradigm and people that would inspire me and my audience to think at a completely different level. So we're bringing in really next level people who can break that paradigm, yourself included, and Gary Vaynerchuk. And we're really close. It's not finalized, but we're really close on Robert Hershevek from Shark Tank. And one speaker owns $350 million in real estate and has multi-million dollar businesses. So I just wanted to bring people in and say, what's the difference between me and you? What's How do you think differently than me? Because where I'm at, all my circle of friends thinks with you know having a million dollar business is a really respectable thing, and it is. But what about this guy over here who's got a $250 million business? And somebody speaking from stage does have a $250 million business. I want to distill down the habits of that person. I want to find out what's different between you and me. Is it that you kill yourself and you work 200 times harder than most of us? Or is it really that you just have simple habits and that you think differently than me and my audience? And that's what I wanted to find out from the people that were invited to speak at Freedom Fast Lane Live. And that is over at freedomfastlanelive.com. And that is December 11th, 12th, and 13th in Austin, Texas. That's awesome. I think it's really cool to hear you say what you just said because, you know, you know where you're at. You know that your circle of influence immediately around you can can only provide so much. And like we all know, we in, in order to expand and learn and grow, we got to connect with people who are there already. And I think it's really yeah. cool that you're just like, hey, what better way to figure out all this stuff than to create my own event and bring all these people in and share that information with other people too. So uh, I'm very excited to speak there uh, and, and I'm sure other people who are looking for conferences to go to can definitely explore this one for them as well. So again, Freedom Fast Lane. Is, is there Freedom? freedom sorry. <laughs> That's all right. It's, it's freedomfastlanelive.com. Yes, sorry. And, and okay. Pat, if it's okay with you, I'd love to take a minute and say why I included you on this panel. Yeah, please. You know, so many people in our little industry They talk about building an audience or they talk about providing value and they do it at such a small level. And you are what I think is the shining example of somebody who has come in and built such a wonderful community and such a big audience in a cool and ethical way where you still maintain your family life, you still maintain your honesty, your integrity, your transparency, and it has rewarded you very handsomely. And that's different and that's paradigm shifting for what most people teach and what most people do in our industry. So I, I've made the most money in my career by having loyal audiences, but I don't have a Pat Flynn sized audience and you've done it faster and, and better than anybody that I know. And that's why I wanted you to have you on stage at Freedom Fast Lane Live. Thank you. Well, I, I'm honored and, and I'm very thankful and humbled by that. So I will definitely deliver as I always try to do on stage and uh, we'll see what we can do. So uh, Ryan, I, I'm really excited and I hope everybody else is too. Again, go ahead and check out the blog. I'll mention the link to go directly there right after we hang up. And uh, Ryan, all the best to you. Congratulations again on the baby and thank, thank you for you. coming on and, and sharing your knowledge with us. All right. Thanks for having me on, Pat. All right. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview again with Ryan Moran. You can find him at freedomfastlane.com. All the show notes, the links, the resources mentioned can be found at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 174. Make sure you check out the Freedom Fastlane podcast and also the event that we talked about, smartpassiveincome.com slash freedomfastlane will take you there. But again, if you want to leave a comment and you have something to say about this, which I expect you do, and I hope you do, because this is a really interesting topic. I know a lot of you actually are, you know, pretty much experts on this sort of thing. And I'm, I'm just looking for as much information as I can. I think this will be a great resource for everybody who um, has passive income coming in to see what their options are. But also if you, if you aren't there yet, it's something, again, like I said in the beginning, you can work toward and will hopefully motivate you to start building out your wealth even more. So again, to leave a comment, go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 174. 
I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because it's one of my favorite things to do, and I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. But I also know a lot of you, and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses, but they're there to help walk you through certain processes. Depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve, go there, check it out. You can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and you just want to make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something. There's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there. And there's going to be more courses there in the future. And how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? They come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter, at Pat Flynn, let me know, or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time, so check it out. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I look forward to hearing your voice and the comments that you have at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 174. Thank you so much, I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Cheers, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.